faster than a speeding bullet, able to orbit the solar system continually through its lifetime, more powerful than an atomic bomb. What is it? It's not a make-believe superhero, but rather a created wonder called a comet. Each and every comet is a witness to a supernatural, created, designed solar system. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Comets have intrigued stargazers for centuries with their beauty and their mysterious presence in the universe. So did comets form billions of years ago, or were they created just a few thousand years ago? Don't space out during the next 15 minutes as we discuss comets and find out some interesting things about these fireballs in the sky. Although a comet may look like a fireball, Dr. Danny Faulkner, professor of astronomy at the University of South Carolina, Lancaster, says this bright space attraction is actually made up of ice. A comet for more than 50 years we think is what we call a dirty iceberg. It's a collection of frozen gases, not just water, but also methane and, and ammonia and CO2. These are very low melting point, very low freezing point substances. And intermixed with that would be a lot of little tiny dust particles. It would be microscopic. As these things orbit the sun at great distances normally. They have very elliptical orbits. One sheet's orbit brings them close to the sun. As the sun's light heats up the comet nucleus, it causes a big cloud of dust and gas to form. We call that the head or the coma of the comet. And then the solar wind and radiation push that dust and the gas particles away to form the two tails that we normally see. And uh, it's bright for just a few months uh, around perihelion, closest approach to the sun, and then it spends many decades or even centuries far from the sun, virtually invisible to us. ICR physicist Dr. Russ Humphreys says the sun not only lights up the comet, but also destroys part of it. As they go around the sun, comets lose about 5% of their material. That stuff that goes out and streams out behind it in the tail never comes back to the dirty snowball and they've even observed comets breaking up as they go around the sun, and there was a spectacular breakup of one, Comet Levy-Shoemaker, a few years ago as it got caught by Jupiter, and Jupiter slung it around itself, and then the comet came back in many pieces, and about 22 of those pieces, one by one, crashed into the surface of Jupiter, releasing atomic bomb-sized explosions as they did so. So the point is that comets can lose a lot of their material, usually do lose a lot of their material as they make each pass around the sun. Since matter is being stripped away from comets, how long do they survive in the solar system? Dr. Faulkner. The nucleus of the comet is a few miles across. I believe they found Halley's Comet nucleus to be 8 or 10 miles across. That's pretty big. Most are only a mile or two. And each time the comet nucleus comes close to the sun, it may lose a number of feet off of that size. And, of course, the comet gets a little smaller, a little fainter each time. Probably maybe 100 trips around the sun, it would eventually dissipate. But it takes a while. If you have a 100-year orbit and it takes 100 trips, that's what 10,000 years it would take for this comet to die. Now, this has been a, an evidence for recent creation that creationists have used for a long time, showing that comets have a finite lifetime far less than the four and a half billion years generally assumed for the age of the solar system. So if the life of a comet is 10,000 years or less, why do secular scientists believe that they've been around for billions of years? 
Well, Dr. Humphrey says many evolutionists answer this question by suggesting that a large cloud of orbiting comets, or dirty snowballs, exists in the outer reaches of the solar system. The evolutionary theory is that comets, the dirty snowballs, have been and are still orbiting way outside the orbit of Pluto in a spherical cloud called the Oort cloud. That's O-O-R-T, a lot of chunks of ice just orbiting out there. And every now and then, according to the theory, one of them gets knocked inward toward the solar system. And then the Oort cloud now, a later wrinkle on the theory, is supposed to feed a flat belt of dirty snowballs called the Kuiper belt, which is just outside the orbit of Pluto, much closer in. And it's a flat belt and not a spherical cloud. But we've seen some large chunks of ice that are about the size of a moon or an asteroid out there in the in what would be the Kuiper belt. But the Kuiper belt would lose uh, enough dirty snowballs that it would have to be replenished by the Oort cloud. However, there is a small problem with the Oort cloud theory. All this sounds very complicated. But the bottom line is nobody's ever seen the Oort cloud. And yet we see what looks like an Oort cloud around other solar systems, but we don't seem to be able to see it in our own vicinity. So I have my doubts that it exists, and so do uniformitarian old age, billions of years astronomers also. Uh, some of them are skeptical. Evolutionists date comets at nearly 5 billion years old, and say these rapid-moving objects hold clues to an ancient origin of the universe. But Dr. Donald DeYoung, professor of physics at Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana, says comets testify of creation, not evolution. Comets tell us at least three things. First, they are very complex in their makeup. This is true for the sun, the planets, and the moons as well. The solar system was created with great variety, which defies every attempt to describe a comprehensive natural origin theory. The second point, comets exactly follow the laws of gravity and celestial mechanics which were established to operate the universe. Without these faithful, unchanging laws, the universe would quickly collapse into chaos and ruin. A final point concerns time. Comets are fragile, temporary members of the solar system. During their orbits around the sun, they shrink or melt some occasionally hit the Sun or Jupiter, and other comets leave the solar system altogether. Yet, there's the continued presence today of hundreds of known comets, including Comet Temple 1. Each and every comet is a witness to a supernatural, created, designed solar system that is just thousands of years old, not billions. To many, the name Comet Temple 1 sounds familiar. That's because Comet Temple 1 was the target of NASA's experiment that was conducted to determine the interior makeup of a comet. Dr. DeYoung tells us about the Deep Impact Probe. In early July 2005, some man-made fireworks occurred in space about 80 million miles away. A block of copper metal weighing 820 pounds, about the size of a washing machine, was carried out to this distance on board a space probe. Then, the copper was dropped directly onto a particular comet called Temple 1. This comet was discovered back in the 1800s and has a nucleus of about four miles in size. The copper mass hit its target, 
slamming into the comet with a speed of 23,000 miles per hour. The result was dramatic. There was a fiery explosion due to the heat generated, and there resulted a crater the size of a football field and about 100 feet deep. A nearby space probe photographed the entire impact event. Data was collected on the comet's interior, its chemical composition, and its density. Dr. Faulkner says what was discovered inside the comet was a surprise to many people. What they found from Temple 1 with the deep impact was that its nucleus was very fluffy. They think that at best 25% of the thing was solid, 75% or more was empty. It was very porous sort of thing, very loose, very crumbly. If you hit it, it falls apart. If you hit those big chunks of ice or a big iceberg, it doesn't break easily. It doesn't shatter easily. But apparently a comet nucleus, when you hit it with something, it just falls apart because it's extremely fluffy and barely held apart. So the, the very biggest surprise or biggest bit of information we can say is that these things are very fluffy, full of a lot of open spaces in between the uh, solid particles. What else did this experiment reveal? Well, Dr. DeYoung says that, as in other comets, carbon-containing organic molecules were found in Comet Temple 1. Evolutionists believe comets carrying these types of materials may have been responsible for starting life on Earth. The inside of Comet Temple was found to be as black as charcoal and quite unreflective of light. Various organic molecules, that is, those that contain carbon, were observed by instruments after the impact. These molecules include ammonium, acetylene, and hydrogen cyanide. Some astronomers believe that these kind of materials are the seeds of life and were long ago dropped off on the Earth by earlier comets. The Genesis account of creation provides a refreshing alternative to such thinking. As creationists, we know that comets, along with the rest of the universe, were made by God on day four of Creation Week. But have you ever wondered why God created them? Dr. Humphrey says, although we may not know specifically why comets were created, they have been useful to us. In Genesis, it says he made things in the heavens for signs, for seasons, and to mark off days and years. So uh, comets could well be a sign. I mean, Hale-Bopp was the first really big spectacular comet that we've had in a long time. So he may use them for that. Or maybe he just likes decorating the skies with different kinds of objects. Comets were very valuable in, in confirming Newton's theory of gravity. The theory predicted why the comet would come back every so often and why it would come back with a 70-year period. And so comets were useful to uh, scientists to figure out how God made the solar system. Dr. DeYoung says comets also serve as a witness to how finite our universe really is. Well, we've been talking about comets, one part of the creation, one part of the solar system, and they're beautiful to look at, study, and keep track of. And uh, I would say these comets are a reminder to us that the whole uh, physical universe is temporary. However many comets there are, they're slowly going away. They don't last forever. And so the whole universe is sort of on a one-way trip and it's running downhill. And that speaks of a uh, perfect creation, the way things began. And then there was the fall. There was the curse when uh, mankind turned their back on God. And ever since, we've been <laughs> we've been held by decay and death and things running down. 
And I think that's a good reminder to all of us that the earth is not forever. And just like those comets, they didn't start up by themselves and they don't last forever. And there is a creator behind it all. And someday he's going to restore the whole place and there'll be a new heavens and new earth. But the most important regeneration is that of our soul. And this change can only be done by the Lord Jesus Christ. We're responsible to this creator and responsible for what we know and hear about creation all around us. And there is an invitation by the creator to know him personally and to believe in him and have faith in him and hold a Christian worldview and certainly uh, the part of the Trinity, Christ who paid the price for us for our salvation, a very deep topic and we can't understand it all, but great things were done for us so that we can enjoy that new heavens and new earth ourselves. And so uh, I think all of our listeners are challenged to think about the Creator and our responsibility before Him and to love Him and to fall before Him. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.